Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. Brand new guest, Kendra Lanise. Kendra, thank you for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, and you know, we should start off with a bang here. Um, first of all, just to give context to our listeners, you are a photographer based in the Grand Rapids area, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, so you just told me something really exciting before we started recording. Tell me that, tell me that thing related to Grand Rapids. <laughs> So I just won Wedding Photographer of the Year in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I am still in shock. <laughs> That's really exciting, though. Yeah, it, it is. It came by a surprise, so I'm, I'm still really, really excited about it. How, yeah. how long have you been shooting weddings in that market? I started in Grand Rapids, so 10 years now. 10 years. Okay, wow. And yeah. first of all, congratulations to you for getting that kind of notoriety and, and really honestly, just as important, congratulations for having a business for 10 years, because that's a, that's a pretty big accomplishment. So many businesses fail early on. Uh, yeah. You've pushed through and made it happen, which is great. You told me something else pretty exciting too, that your work was just on BET. Is that right? Yeah, actually I had a photo feature during India Ali's performance on black girl magic. Yeah. So that was that also came by a surprise, but it's really, really cool. So all the good things been, at once, right? Yes. It's it's been an amazing couple months. I I can't even lie. <laughs> so how did you how did they get that image? Like what was the process involved? Because I know it's it, it, there's something about having your images out there in the public eye that's really exciting, particularly in pop culture. How did yeah. how did they get that image? How did that happen? Actually Instagram. Really? Yeah. So my client shared it on Instagram and they went through the hashtags and saw it and sent her a message. And so that's literally how they found it. So hashtag, that's interesting. You know, it's funny, something as as seemingly insignificant as a hashtag could eventually lead somebody finding your work and you getting notoriety or getting a job or getting a client. That's really important to remember. And I don't know, I guess maybe I'm a little bit naive because I'm, I'm a photographer from the days prior to Instagram. And that wasn't something that we, you know, we did. And I shot for over 10 years and, and built a pretty successful business as far as wedding clientele is concerned, but we didn't have to to post to Instagram and hashtag things. And so I, I'm the old guy, I guess. I, I'm still, this is still a relative, in some ways, kind of a new concept to me. But it's important to remember that even something as simple as a hashtag can get, it can can help your business or your brand be found. And and that's a good, good thing to note here at the very beginning of our conversation. But I, I want to yeah. jump right into our outline of questions. And the first thing that we normally start with is about brand position. And this mm-hmm. is a really interesting one. Uh, I've had so many different conversations on brand position on and off air with photographers. 
it's not something that's talked about a lot in the industry. And I'd be curious to know for you in, in the Grand Rapids area, especially doing as well as you have there, what is your brand position? Or more specifically, what is the thing that you have done differently or that you offer differently than other photographers in your area? Um, so I kind of branded myself as a fun wedding photographer, fun and romantic, actually. Okay. So on my website, on my social media presence, you'll see a lot of pictures of my clients laughing, having fun. Yeah. I let it known that we play games during their session. It's not just super posy. I call them when I'm on the phone and I tell them like, hey, we may play tag. There may be a dance off. <laughs> and I just let them know, like, I want your true selves to come out. Yeah. And another thing that I also do is talk about The Office. I feel like if you like the TV show The Office, you have a certain type of humor. Yes, that, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. I post about that a lot, especially on Facebook. So therefore, um, clients that come to me, I know that I can automatically be myself. I can joke around and, you know whatever kind of humor that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and to your point and kudos to you for this, by the way, if, if for those of you listening, if you go to Kendra's site, so it's Kendra Lenice, L Y K E N D R A and then L Y N E C E.com. And by, by the way, I love big, beautiful images on the homepage there. That's the first thing the client sees, but you know, there are, I think there are four images that it's cycling through right now. And at least two of the four, the clients are laughing. Like one, this couple, they're laying on the leaves, laughing hilariously. There's the next one there, a couple sitting on almost looks like a loading dock. Um, but there's some mm -hmm. real emotion there. You can feel that you can see it. And I, I love the, I guess the, the realness or the feeling of those emotions that that evokes that, I mean, it kind of draws me in. I want pictures that look like that of me and my significant other. That, like, that, that would be something that would naturally draw me in. But I'm curious, too, because mm -hmm. when you talk about being a fun and romantic photographer, you know, a lot of what brand position is about is positioning ourselves against the so-called competition. And I, I'm a huge fan of this idea of community over competition. I don't want to minimize that. But at the end of the day, if we have a potential client, they're looking for a photographer. Mm -hmm. they, they are looking for somebody. And one of the things that they're doing consciously or subconsciously is looking for something different in you as the photographer. So when you say that your brand position is about fun and romantic, that would suggest that other photographers are not fun or not romantic or not as romantic. Have you seen that in your market? Like are other photographers way more serious or focusing less on the romance with their couples? What I've experienced is I see that a lot of people aren't trying to get to know their couples. Okay. And I feel like in order to bring out a, the fun side of your couple, you kind of have to know them. A Interesting. More. Interesting. I would really love like, because I'd love this idea, the theme of having fun. I would love mm -hmm. to just see that like splattered all over the front of your homepage, almost like wedding photography, like a tagline, something like wedding photography made fun or just fun wedding photography. And then all the images playing in that idea, like backing up that idea, because the imagery, again, I'm, I'm watching these images scroll in front of me here. The imagery mm -hmm. with that, that raw emotion, the laughter, the excitement about each other, the humor um, is really, really great. And if they tied that into this message about fun wedding photography or fun romantic photography, fun photography with your significant other, something to that effect. Now the messaging mm -hmm. and the imagery ties together, it would be really powerful because you obviously have a wonderful ability to be able to connect with your clients. And I have to say, you and I had the opportunity to meet not too long ago too in person. 
And your personality is is wonderful as well. You're you're easygoing. You like to have fun. The conversation's fun. Um, you're easy to have conversation with, and that obviously translates to your clients. So again, props to you for that. But man, there's such a great opportunity here to to just make that messaging the theme all the way down your website. I mean, I, I think they would really yeah. resonate with them. I love that. I'm definitely going to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely getting on that. Like, I'm well, writing these notes down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and just as a side note, and I'm obviously doing this for um, largely for our listeners, but for those of you listening in, if you go to your own website and it's not communicating clearly what your brand is about, and then that so-called brand position doesn't actually set you apart from those in your locale, um, the, the local market, then do take the time to consider how you can set yourself apart. That's the whole purpose of the brand position. There's so many photographers in our, well, just in, just in the U.S. market alone, of course, and beyond, uh, but wedding photographers, portrait photographers, the market is a very noisy place, and we need to figure out effective ways to stand out. One of those ways is to clearly communicate what it is that we do differently than somebody else and we've got to be honest with ourselves. And I, this is a reminder for me, too, as a business owner. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, step back and objectively say, are we actually doing something that's unique? Or is this just a you know, message that we think sounds cool or somehow resonates with our value set? That's, that's all good. But at the end of the day, if they look at our brand and they don't know what we do differently than anybody else, and the imagery doesn't necessarily speak to them any differently than any other photographer, because we have to keep in mind, most consumers don't really know the difference between a great image or a highly technical image and a, a so-so image, then, then we're missing out on an opportunity to convert. So make sure, and again, for, for those of you listening in, make sure that you're taking the time to clearly communicate your brand position so that you can more effectively convert a potential client. And uh, Kendra, again, I have to give you props for for capturing that type of imagery that really does exude the fun. Um, I say run with that like 110% because it, it, like you're just, it's going to take you that much further. It's, it's really beautiful work. Thank you. And I'm on these notes right now. He gave me a whole bunch of homework. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> well, this certainly wasn't meant to be a lesson for you. I, I just want our listeners at least to know the, the, the significance of this because um, it, it is, you know, branding, marketing, there's so many, there are a variety of elements to it. Ultimately, the, the major goal of a brand or an effective brand is to communicate what value it adds to somebody's life. But it's going to be even more effective if we can not only communicate the value it adds to somebody's life, but do so in a way that creates a distinction between us and the others offering the same product or offering the same service. So that's where brand position comes in. But I won't continue to harp on that. Um, I appreciate you sharing your perspective on it. And let's jump to the next question, too. You've been in business 10 years, so you bring a lot of experience to us, to me, to our listeners, tell me what the, one of the most important lessons is that you've learned so far. Like if you had 15 seconds to share a piece of advice with a fellow photographer, what would it be? Don't be afraid to invest in your business because if you want other people to invest in your business, you have to be willing to do it first. Interesting. That was the biggest lesson I learned. Now, do you, do you mean financially or in a different way? Any way. Okay. Any form, because there's so many different ways to do it. So classes, education, meetups, networking, all of it. It's all important. I was afraid of a lot of that. And I think a lot of the first few years of my business was really stagnant because I allowed fear to control it Mm. versus going out there and doing the best that I could. So once I took the step to invest, everything changed everything changed. So don't be afraid to invest. And how, like how far into your career did you begin to spend, did you begin to invest in that? I would really say like five years ago. 
Really? Okay. So about halfway through. And Mm -hmm. was there a certain turning point, like a realization? How did that come about? Well, for me, I realized like I thought I was doing a lot in my business, but I really wasn't. (laughs) I was also working full time um, and I wanted to go full time into photography, but I didn't know how to make that happen. Okay. What really, really changed my investment, I started investing more after I had my son because I became a single mom. Yeah. And I said, like, if I'm going to do this, I have to make it work. Otherwise, I'm going to be done with photography. So those were my only two options. Wow. I, but I, I love the, the the simplicity of, all right, I either have to make this work or I'm done. I got to move on to something else. Like when you're put into a position like that, I, I find myself in this position in one form or another from time to time where like your back's up against the wall and you got to make a call. You either go this way mm-hmm. or that. And it's, it's a turning point. Yeah. And, and I love that you, you were like, you know what, I'm making this happen. And part mm-hmm. of the way that I'm doing that is going to, I'm going to invest in, in me and my business. And, um, that's a great example for our listeners. Talk to me about free time though, because as a single mom trying to run a business and simultaneously having a child, I mean, this is, it's a lot to juggle. How yeah. do you, how do you balance it all? How do you make time for him, but then also manage to run your business effectively? I had to learn that there was really no such thing as balance. <laughs> and I had to be okay with that. Some days my son will get way more attention. Some days my business gets way more attention. Okay. And that was kind of a hard thing to handle at first. Why is that? What, like what made it difficult? Because you feel guilty either side. Because hmm. if you're working so much on your business, then you don't see your child as much. You're kind of like, oh my God, what is he doing? Is he okay? And vice versa. If I'm spending a lot of time with my son and not really working on my business, I'm like, oh my God, my clients, my clients, my clients. Yeah. So the best that I can do, obviously, is daycare and things like that. But I have to be okay with the unbalanced of it and just accept that. I, I like that actually. And it's something I've maybe kind of learned with you around the same time as you, that the, the realization that things just, they not only don't have to be kind of black and white either, or I'm balanced or not there, there's somewhere in between and that's okay. Yeah. That that's been kind of a hard realization for me in some ways as well. I still, I, I feel you, I've got two kids. I'm a single dad. I feel like I, I in some ways I don't give my kids as much time as, as I would like to, or maybe should uh, in some mm-hmm. cases, um, but at the end of the day, relationships are really all we have. And, yeah. and I want to make sure that I'm prioritizing that. And I know that you do too. And I love mm-hmm. your heart in that. Is there something in particular that you do? I mean, amidst the realization that there is no such thing as quote balance. Is there mm-hmm. a technique, a workflow tip or trick, something that you do that helps you create a bit of time for him or for yourself or both? As far as time for myself, I get up really early and I meditate. Do you really? Okay. Can yes. I ask how early? Uh, 5 a.m. Wow. Not earlier. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious about this because I actually enjoy waking up early in the morning too. There's something about get, like start of the day. It's dark. It's quiet. You can kind of get your own thing done. But yeah. the thing that is kind of, I guess, left me a little bit perplexed about meditation because I enjoy meditation, have enjoyed meditation when I've practiced it, uh, mm-hmm. is starting at the beginning of the day. Isn't, isn't your mind kind of already clear and quiet? What is, a, what is the advantage of doing it early in the day versus later in the day when you need to kind of calm down and, and create a little bit of peace in your life? Well, I still do it in the middle of the day. So. You do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so my both. son is, yes, it's both. If I need like three minutes, um, my son's a toddler. He'll be three. So he has tantrums quite a bit. <laughs> so during the middle of the day, if I have to, I'll take three minutes to myself okay. and I'll just do a breathing technique. Yeah. Starting it in the beginning of the day, I feel like just 
aligns my day for success. Interesting. So is it, is it more about not necessarily quieting your mind as much as focusing it? Yes. Okay. Can you, do you mind sharing? Is there a particular technique that you use for the sake of meditation? Yeah. So what I, I start with um, is I breathe in for four seconds. I hold it for four seconds and I release for four seconds. And I do that until I feel this peace come over me. Whoa. Okay. And mm-hmm. are you, are you doing anything mentally or internally as you're breathing or is it more just a focus on the breath? It kind of depends. Sometimes I use um, mantras. Um, sometimes it's just practicing or breath work. Okay. Or sometimes I'm just thinking about something that I want that day hmm. to happen or what I want to bring into my life that day, whatever kind of feeling I want over that day. Yeah. Um, and I'll focus on that. So it literally just kind of depends on my intention. And what turned you on to this practice in the first place? I like yoga. So I feel like yoga is a huge segue into meditation. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of built from there. Huh. That's interesting. And how long have you been practicing it? Meditation. I've been doing it consistently for a year now. Okay. And then yoga for a lot longer be- before that? On and off for a few years. Okay. <laughs> Truthfully, on and off. Yeah. No, that's fair. At least at least you're doing something though. And the the four, four and four technique is, that's interesting. I may have to to experiment with that a little bit. Um, yes. It sounds really interesting. Let me know how it goes, please. I, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but uh, my friend, Nicole Goddard, who's a photographer who's been on the podcast, I think a couple of times now, she was the one that first turned me on to this idea of meditation. And, and I, the first time that I sat down to, to experiment with this, to practice it, if you will, um, I did it in the evening because my thought was, well, I'm going to like, I'm going to shut down. It'll help me relax, shut down my mind and, and be able to sleep a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and I started focusing on my breath and I did this for, I don't, it wasn't very long, 10, maybe 20 minutes at the most. By the mm-hmm. time I got done with, with this meditation and, and the breath work, I was physically buzzed. Like I had a high for probably a good 45 minutes or so before I could finally come down for it from it because I wasn't, my body wasn't used to breathing in that deeply and that consistently. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I mean, it kind of funny in hindsight now, but it was almost, it kind of killed the purpose of the meditation here. I was trying to relax and calm <laughs> down and I ended up buzzed and, and not going to sleep for a little bit. But um, there is something to be said, not only for breath work in and of itself, but the, I guess the intentionality and the focus mm-hmm. that it brings when you're, when you're counting and you're breathing and you're holding it and then you're letting it out and repeating that process, I can imagine it'd be extremely therapeutic. So I'm going to have to experiment with that. That's cool. Yes. And as like photographers, we have so much that we're doing that we don't take a, we most of the time don't have time to actually breathe. We're just breathing naturally, but we're yeah. not yeah. really breathing. We're not letting our body do what it has to do. And it's really fascinating, the significance of the breath. I mean, we, we all think, oh, yeah, of course I breathe. You know, I'm alive. I breathe. But even if you're driving down the highway and you take the time to actually take a few deep breaths, like 10 or 15 deep breaths even, you immediately yeah. can feel the physical difference in the way yeah. that your body is functioning just from doing something like that. So this is a great reminder. And I'm going to have to get to some of that meditation. Thanks for the encouragement, too. I appreciate that. Um, talk, yeah. talk to me about a, an impactful self-help book, a business book. Uh, we can even extend this to podcast if you want to. That's just really made a difference in your life in the last few years. You are a badass by Jen Sincario. I hope I didn't say your name wrong. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I think that's right. You're a badass. Okay, cool. What, what yeah. did you like about the book? It was very empowering as far as like 
being an entrepreneur and a photographer, we have a lot of self-doubt because Instagram and Facebook, we end up comparing ourselves so much. Sure. And it was a powerful reminder, like, girl, you got this. <laughs> you got this. Believe in yourself. Trust yourself. Especially in a very packed industry. So ever since then, I I think it honestly helped my meditation go a little bit deeper. Because really? I tell myself as a mantra sometimes, like, girl, you are a badass. You got this. You got this. You got this. So yeah, that was my favorite book by far. All right. Well, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes for everybody listening in. It seems like it's a pretty popular one as well. This is one that's been mentioned a number of times in the podcast. But for everybody listening in, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com or just open up the show notes in your podcast app, we'll link to all the resources and, and talking points. We'll, we'll put those in the show notes as well from today's episode. And there's a wealth of information in previous episode show notes as well. So make sure you go check that out. Let's, let's go to photography. Talk to me about something unusual in your camera bag that enables you to be a better photographer. Protein bars. <laughs> Pro, okay. All right. Tell me the type. What, what's your favorite kind? As long as they're vegan, that sometimes it's kind of hard to find them. I'm actually yeah. vegan. Yeah. So as long as they're vegan friendly, they're in my bag. So do you have a particular brand that's a favorite of yours? Um, I like the Lara bars. The Lara bars. Have- okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, just protein bars. Because sometimes I can't even find those. Um, so, so I can, you know, beat the hanger <laughs> on the <laughs> wedding day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And it makes it, yeah, it makes a difference to come prepared and to have something as a backup too. And, you know, there, I think we've discussed this multiple times now on the podcast, but I'm, I'm kind of amazed at times at the, the indignation, shall we say, that a lot of photographers exude or show, discuss on Facebook groups or forums about how the client should be taking care of them. They should have the same food as them and, and I should have time to eat. And I understand where some of this comes from, but at the end of the day, we're there to do a job. And, right. and it's on us to come prepared, even with something like the, the food um, that we yeah. need in order to get through the day. And um, I, I think it's important to not only for the sake of a healthy mentality, but ultimately just to be prepared to come with yeah. something that, that uh, food that we need. So that's good. All right. Protein bars it is. <laughs> let's let's kind of switch gears here because we're going to dig into a pretty big topic. Um, Facebook ads is a, a massive topic and we've, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast in the past. And I know that today is not going to be enough time to cover this in extreme amounts of detail, but I want to at least dig into the topic a little bit more, make it more accessible for our listeners. Uh, it, because Facebook ads aren't just beneficial for companies, you know, big brands that are trying to sell a, a, a physical product. Um, they can be really beneficial for photographers as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's let's make this easier for our listeners to understand if we can. But before we do that, we just kind of give some context to our listeners. Talk to us about how long you've been running Facebook ads for yourself, for others, and give some examples of success stories with that. So I've been running ads whew, successfully. <laughs> That's um, yeah. Let's let's go there. Actually, let's talk about the, the, because this would be a this would be a good way for our listeners to learn. So talk to us how long unsuccessfully compared to the successfully. <laughs> So unsuccessfully, probably about three years when it got became like super popular. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just hitting the booth button like everybody else. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just trying to target people, but I didn't know what, who or what I was targeting. Okay. So yeah, that was about three years and some wasted money. <laughs> but then, so. but then, what was the turning point, and for how long have you been able to run them more successfully and more, more specifically? And um, successfully, I would probably say about a year and a half now. Okay, for myself and others now. Um, and the turning point was going back to what I talked about earlier: is investing. Hmm. 
Hmm. So I attended the cookout last year and Chip gave a really amazing talk on Facebook ads. Chip is hard. Yeah. And yeah, Chip's been on the podcast as well. Yeah, he is amazing with Facebook ads, y'all. <laughs> and just one of the most genuinely kind people you'll meet too. Uh, we we were just at uh, I was just at the cookout conference. We sponsored that um, this well, just a few, couple of days ago actually, and um, he was there and we got to connect as well. And he's just like he's one of those people you just want to hang out with because he's so cool. He's so genuinely kind. Like you don't meet very many people that are just that genuinely kind. Um, yeah. And he just kind of puts a smile on your face. But yeah, he talked about Facebook ads. But you had the opportunity to hear him at the last cookout conference talk about that as mm-hmm. well. Yes. And there was a couple other masterclasses that I took as well that I invested in. And I kind of just put the information that they had together and kind of made it, I made it work for me and moved on there. Interesting. Okay. So now one of the things, you know, we talked about brand position earlier and Mm -hmm. it is a conversation in multiple podcast episodes in and of itself. Um, coming up with a clear brand position, number one, and then understanding how to clearly communicate that, what the message is, how to, what the copy might be, but ultimately how to effectively communicate that to a potential client. And then who that potential client is, the target client. We have to, it is important that we understand these pieces before we can start really running Facebook ads effectively, right? Yes. Yes. Um, because if you are just running an ad and you're not saying who the ad is for, who you're targeting, yeah. then it's just going to it's not going to work. It's going to flop. <laughs> yeah. And, and as simplistic an idea as that is, everybody listening in, make sure you don't miss that because it is, it's easy to just click boost and, and then the specificity is missing. If you don't yeah. know what your message is and who that message is important to, then running a Facebook ad, you can, you can be throwing a lot of money away. So right. let's, let's make this even more practical for our listeners. Talk to us about a, a workflow. And, and really, again, we could spend an episode or two or three on just brand position messaging and, and target clients. Um, but I'm going to assume for the context of our conversation that our listeners have, have figured that piece out. Talk to us about a workflow for getting started. If somebody has never used a Facebook ad platform before, they want to get started, what would be mm-hmm. the, the major steps that they would need to take to set up a Facebook ad? So I basically kind of going back to meditation, I start with my intention. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yes. So everything is with intention. Yes. So I, I tell my, my clients and as well for myself, I'm trying to figure out what I'm running my ad for. Is it for like to my page? Am I trying to get a wedding lead? What am I doing or what is your goal? And start there. Because if you just boost the post, it's not going to do anything because you have no intention behind that boosted post. Okay, so likes to your page, a likes campaign, um, mm-hmm. a wedding lead. Uh, is there is there a technical term or a phrase for doing something like trying to get a wedding lead? So there is the leads that you can do within Facebook, okay. but I actually use traffic and send them to my website on a specific landing page. Okay, so you're you're trying to get traffic to your website, a particular landing page, and mm-hmm. you're getting the wedding lead from that. Yes. So when I run my ad. What I do is you're, you're able to put in a URL. So my URL is wherever that, that landing page is. It could be a contact form. Yeah. It could be a, a landing page. You created a hidden page. Wherever you have the form for them to fill out, that's where I send them. Okay. I don't send them to my homepage because they won't know what to do. <laughs> They'll just look around and get off. You know what? You and, have to tell. 
Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because honestly, we've been guilty of that as well. Just simply sending people to our, our homepage and our, our website as opposed to a dedicated landing page with very specific mes- messaging for that very specific target that we're, that we're sending the ad to. You, you up the chances of being able to convert that person for whatever the, the, the intention is, as you pointed out. Um, if you have specific messaging, a specific landing page with dedicated messaging. I'm so glad that you bring this up uh, because as much as, you know, I mean, Going to to your website, if, for example, if you send a client to your website, it's beautiful. Um, but mm-hmm. as you also pointed out, they could just kind of scroll through and not exactly know where to land or where they should go or what they should do next. Yeah. And so that specificity is really important. Yeah, because especially like with millennial market, you have to tell us what you want us to do at all times. Otherwise, we're just going to leave. It's, it's that simple. If okay. I get targeted for an ad. Yeah. And it's going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to stay on there. I'm going to click off in three seconds. Interesting. Okay, but th- this is fascinating to me. So tell me, when you say the millennial market needs to be told exactly what to do, what what do you mean? Can you give more context to that? As as far as like ads and targeting in general, because we're so used to being told what to do, even yeah. if it's subconsciously, yeah. that when we are on just the homepage and we're just looking at it like, okay, it's pretty, what next? And now an and yeah. Okay. That's, that's really, okay. I never really thought about it that way, but that's really interesting. You're right. We're all used to being told what to do in some form or fashion. So if we land somewhere and we don't know what to do next, then we get bored or distracted and then we're on to the next thing. Huh? Okay. Exactly. So if you want people to download your guide, if you want people to fill out a form, if you want people to just sign up for your email list, send them there first. That's where they need to go. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so we're starting with intention, and you started to to kind of describe different types of campaigns: a likes campaign, um, mm-hmm. a lead campaign, or lead generation campaign. Are there any other types of campaigns that you run? I'm those are the ones I mostly run. I don't boost posts, so I'm either trying to get people to like my page, or I am sending them to my website. Okay, um, so we start with intention, and I, I love that word. I mean, it's, it's so important for our personal life. It's important for our business life. It's important for running mm-hmm. a Facebook ad. So this is a great place to start. What's the next step? So next, I actually write out my email sequence email. So I start backwards. So after I figure out my intention, I write out the emails that are going to be sent out to the client after they fill out the form. Okay. Now, you know, maybe this is a good. Uh, let me let me actually jump back because I'm I'm curious and for the sake of our listeners too, how do you determine because I think this is relevant to the conversation about the email sequence as well. How do you determine which campaign to run? Because again, I'm going to assume that our listeners don't know anything about running a Facebook ad campaign. Okay. So they they're like, "Okay, a likes campaign, you're trying to get somebody to to um to like your page." That that seems relatively intuitive. A lead generation campaign may be somewhat intuitive, but how do you making the decision what type of campaign to run? And then let's talk about the email sequence. Um so for making a likes ad, it's more so like, "Okay, I want more engagement on my page, so okay. I am going to have my target audience and in a specific area, I'm going to run an ad in a specific area for my target audience just to like my page so I can have a little bit more interaction coming in. So that's when I will do my like campaign. Okay. And do you find, is there any other benefit besides just the engagement with that page or does that affect Facebook ad success or results elsewhere? Like what, what has the benefit been from those, those additional likes for you? Um, I've actually gotten leads from running a like campaign as well. Okay. So because once people like your page, they'll end up scrolling through and looking at your work. Hmm, so okay. from there, a lot of the times, under all of my posts, actually, I write www.kindralinux.com in the off chance that they want to click on the link and go to my website. 
after reading my post, it makes it a little bit easier for them. So sometimes when I run that like campaign, they'll click it and I'll get a lead. Okay. And then, but that takes us to, to the lead generation campaign. What are you running that for in contrast to the likes campaign? So when I run the lead generation campaign, it's just so I can start booking weddings okay. or engagement sessions or clients or whatever that may be like mini sessions. What if I want to do mini sessions then I'm going to do the traffic in lead generation. So at that point, then you're, you have a particular conversion goal in mind. You're trying to, because lead generation, at least from my limited experience with Facebook ads, lead generation is about trying to get a, a warm lead, if you will, somebody who's interested, but you haven't quite converted yet, but you're actually trying to convert them. Yes. Well, I do have a goal. Like I'll say I'm going to book one wedding. Okay. So even if I have to spend like a hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm going to spend hundred dollars. <laughs> so my goal there is to at least book one wedding or get leads for a wedding. Okay. Okay. With a lead generation. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're going more for conversion with that. So talk to us then about the email sequence. So our, our audience understands the, the contrast between the likes campaign and then the, the lead generation campaign or the conversion campaign, we might even call it. What would the email sequence look like for each of those? So with the likes campaign, there's no, there's no email sequence okay. because they're literally just getting people to like your page. Fair enough. Okay. But for the lead generation or traffic, what I do is just write out like, thank you so much for filling out the form. I can't wait to get back to you. Um, and then here's a copy of my wedding guide. So I'll add that in there and then I'll call them because it's an actual wedding lead at that point. Yeah. So you're, and, and again, just to add further context for those listening in who just aren't familiar with any of this process, when we talk about lead generation, a lot of times with lead generation, there is a freebie of some kind, right? It, that's the thing that draws the person in. They're like, yeah, I want that free wedding guide, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. I want that free wedding guide, so I'll share my email address and I'll get the free wedding guide. But now you, Kendra, or any of our listeners have that person's email address, which you can then use to follow up with and mm-hmm. hopefully convert them as, as a client, right? Yes, Okay. exactly. So you're, are you sending, you mentioned earlier that you're writing the email sequence backwards. That would suggest that there are multiple emails. Why do you write it backwards? And then what other emails are involved in that follow-up? Oh, so what I meant was like, I, I do my ad process backwards. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, so I'll do, I'll start with my intention and then I immediately write the emails out that I want to go to those clients. That's cool. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, because it, that's kind of like the more time consuming part is sure. coming up with the emails, what to say. That's the one that kind of racks my brain a little bit harder. So I figured that starting there with the hard part and then going into building the ad is a lot easier versus just going in trying to build the ad and then not having a process for the client to follow through or workflow to follow through after the ad is built. But I I think it's important. um, This is an interesting point that you make. The the idea of taking the time to write the email sequence kind of forces you to think through what it is you're trying to accomplish in more detail. Thinking yeah. it encourages you to think about the messaging so that yeah. when you then go to write that ad, it seems like it would be a lot easier. It is. And you're staying true to your intention. Once again, <laughs> talk uh, about intention. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay. All right. So start yeah. with intention, um, then mm-hmm. go to that email, uh, that follow up email. Do you, I mean, again, email sequence just kind of naturally suggests that there are multiple emails, but in this case, you're just talking about one. Do you send any further follow up or you just follow it with a phone call? So I start with one. I do have other ones written in my workflow because I use Dubsado, so yeah. I can pause it at any time. Okay. So I'll do a follow-up email 
it kind of depends on the ad that you're running. So if I'm doing one for a wedding, then after the second follow-up, I just send them a healthy, healthy, friendly reminder. I shouldn't say healthy. (laughs) (laughs) A friendly reminder. Okay. A friendly reminder um, that I'm here, that they sent me a wedding inquiry and I'm excited to talk to them. I give like two more emails after that. And if they don't um, contact me after the third email, I just let it go. Okay. Now that email, the, the email follow-up um, this with the lead generation campaign, you're putting that email into, does it automatically go into Dubsado and then the emails are automated? Yes. And then Dubsado sends me a reminder to go in and just push the email. Huh. That's So really I cool. have it in a workflow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're starting with intention. Then we go to the email sequence. What's the next step? So next I build my landing page that we already talked about earlier. Okay. Because we we have the intention, once again. Yeah. And so the landing page will basically voice everything that you want. So for one of the landing pages, uh, say you're going to do a mini session. So you're going to have right there in the header of the website, of your website, your landing page, hey, mini session, only a limited amount of spots, yada, yada, yada. And it kind of, it almost reiterates what was in the email or reflects or mirrors what's in the email is right as well. Correct? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Do you have by any chance, um, the URL of one of your landing pages I can pull up, I can look at as we're talking about it. All right. So I just sent you the link to a landing page. Okay, cool. So I've got, uh, it's kendralanice.com slash in dash home dash lifestyle dash session dash special. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to, I know I just kind of funny to read that all out loud, but I, I want our listeners to know, and we'll, we'll actually link to this in the show notes for everybody listening in too, in case you wanted to actually link to it. But I wanted to pull it up and, and be able to comment on it for those of you listening in. So the first thing that I see when I, and, and this is you you mentioned the, the in-home lifestyle session. That's, that's what this is for. Obviously, um, yep. at the top of the page, it says in-home lifestyle session special, and, um, and then there's this beautiful, beautiful picture of this family cuddled up together and then, um, a description of what the session is about, what you get with the session. And then it draws them in just sort of a very simple call to what's traditionally called a call to action, which is exactly what it sounds like. Hey, do this thing, which in this case is buy now. I mean, there's a button right there at the bottom, <laughs> um, which is telling them to buy now, but this is, this is a great example again of what we were talking about earlier. If they, they come to your, the homepage of your website, it's beautiful, but it's not really actually calling them to do something specific. I mean, there's a read more, but if they click on read more on your site or they scroll down to read more, um, they're going to see more information, links to your Instagram, et cetera. But there isn't a specific call to action to book right now. You're doing that on this page. Yeah. Because I want to make it as simple for them as possible. Yeah. I mean, no if confusion. we make it overcome, exactly. Otherwise, you'll lose people. The more you confuse them, the more you, easier it is to lose them. Yeah. That, that, and that's, I mean, let's, uh, we need to make sure, Haley, we put that out as a quote because that's a good one. The, the more you confuse them, the more you lose them. That is a, it's such an important point. And, you know, I, I know I've gone on this rant before on the podcast, but I think it's really important for everybody listening in to keep in mind that again, because as we discussed earlier with brand position, because we live in such a noisy world with so many things going on, people are looking at Facebook and Instagram nonstop. They're reading so much. They're used to being in that kind of scrolling scanning mode. And as a result, if you create any kind of confusion or busyness on your website, that, that gets in the way of converting that client, it's on you. You're missing out on, on the potential to have more business. So keep it simple. 
which may, minimizes the possibility of confusion and create a very clear call to action on a dedicated landing page. And, and this is a good example. So for everybody listening in, we'll, we'll link to this in the show notes so you can see exactly what this looks like. And I appreciate you sharing that with us, Kendra. So we start with intention. We go to developing that email sequence, the landing page. And of course, all three of those things tie together. What's the next step? So then I like to go in and build my audience. To me, that's like the best part. <laughs> Um, what, what's like, what is it? What makes that your favorite? It's just because it makes me rack my brain about who my ideal client is okay. or who I, whoever I'm doing the ad for ideal client, maybe. Okay. For those listening in who just, they've never used the Facebook ad platform before. How are you, how are you going, how are you actually getting to the place where you can build that audience? What is that experience like? What does it look like on the platform? On, on Facebook. So there's this really awesome tool called Audience Insights. And have you heard of it? I have. Yeah, absolutely. We've okay. used it. Yes. Okay. So Audience Insights is my favorite tool. <laughs> it helps you to predict how your, your ad may do based off your audience and audience that look, audiences that look just like that one. Okay. So you're using that tool initially. And then are, are there any other means of targeting uh, or figuring out who your target client is? So for me, I, well, I add in things for wedding photographers, for example, I add in like Vera Wang gowns, wedding reception, wedding planner, wedding photography, but I also add in things like the office because once again, I want to target people who have a sense of humor like me. Yeah. So these are all interests that your potential client would have. Yes, exactly. Um, You can add in like the not wedding wire, for example, and Haley Page, I believe, is one. Okay. So adding in those interests will help your targeting. And how many interests would you say you normally have in a campaign? Are there, I mean, 10, 20, 30, even more? I, I definitely have more than 30. Really? Okay. So <laughs> I definitely have more than 30. A very large number. And then Facebook yeah. is sending those ads or feeding those ads to people who have in some way shown interest on the Facebook platform. Uh, that, that they are interested in those various things that, that you're talking about, the interest. So yeah. the wedding wire, the knot, et cetera. Engaged. That's the biggest one yeah. for wedding photographers. Make sure you put engaged. Okay. <laughs> okay. So how long does it take you to, to go about building your audience? Is it a pretty quick process, especially after you've done it more than once? Or what is that like? 15 minutes now. Oh, okay. But when I was first targeting and trying to figure out who I wanted to target, I think it took like an hour. So you have to be patient with yourself, especially if you don't know who your ideal client is and what they need. You've got to give yourself time to research while you're targeting. Yeah. And, and that goes back to the original point of conversation before we really started getting into these steps. Be very, mm-hmm. very clear for those of you listening in. Be very clear about who, well, first of all, what your business represents. So what your brand position is. Um, the mm-hmm. service that you're offering, and then who you are targeting. Don't get into the Facebook ad platform before you're clear about those things, because otherwise Facebook ads in and of themselves can be somewhat complicated. Um, you're mm-hmm. going to make that way more complicated if you don't know what you're talking about, number one, and who you're talking to. So be very, yes. very clear about those things before you get into this platform. That's really important. Yeah. It's intention all the way around. A hundred percent, but it really sums it up beautifully. Okay. So start with intention. Like we just talked about email sequence, build the email sequence, landing page, develop that to, to mirror, to match the messaging and create a clear call to action and then build your audience. And then what's the, the fifth and last step? Then I actually go in and start building my ad. 
Okay. Then I actually go log into Facebook and create my ad once I have all that figured out and done. And this, and I'll, I'll play kind of ignorant here. Does Facebook have some means of making that process easy? Is it kind of plug and play step by step? Do they walk you through it or do you have to understand a lot of the technical side of Facebook in order to create the ad? Well, once you start with your intention and you, you know what your ad is about, you can go in and go step by step through the process for building your ad. So you already know once you log in to create your ad, it's, you're going to do traffic. So you hit traffic and then it's going to take you to the next part. Okay. So you can pick the goal or the intention and then it takes you step by step through the process of creating the yes. ad, allocating who you're actually sending this ad to, and then mm-hmm. actually building the ad in there. So writing the copy, uploading the, the graphics or the video or otherwise, correct? Yes, exactly. And how do you go about writing? Uh, actually, a couple of questions. First of all, what percentage of your ads are photo-based? Uh, what percentage are video-based? Or do you do like a combination or a carousel ad? Like what type of ads are you running? Um, my ads are all photo based. I really need to get into video ads because I know they're cheaper. <laughs> so if you do videography, do like ads will be your best friend. I think it's like 30 cents per click on average. And my photo ads are about a dollar. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I mean, I think a lot of people probably get intimidated with the idea of shooting a video. I know from personal experience, having shot a lot of video ads for Facebook, that it doesn't actually have to be that complicated. I mean, if you wanted to, you could even shoot with your phone. Um, I use yeah. a GoPro now for, for Facebook uh, ads. I've used an SLR, DLS, DSLR in the past as well. But it doesn't have to be overly complicated. What we've found, it seems to, to work, is the personal nature of it. Like if you can just be yourself on camera for 15 mm-hmm. seconds or 30 seconds, it doesn't, you don't have to have you know, a whole production studio. It's more about <laughs> the, the quality of the, the content and ultimately the, the kind of personal nature, the genuineness of the person who's communicating via video. Yes. I've, I've ran video ads for other clients. I just haven't done them for myself. I don't have a good reason. <laughs> I really don't. It's just being honest. Well, no, I appreciate uh, that. But it's interesting that you, you pointed out the difference in price between video and, and photo. Is there a reason for that? As far as the cost per click? Yeah, yeah. Is there a reason that, fa- that it's just cheaper? I mean, is, is Facebook giving kind of favoritism to video ads? To video, yeah. Okay. Video does way better on Facebook than photos. Way better. And you see that when you, like, think about when you watch a video on Facebook, another one will just come right up when the other one's done. And so your ad has a chance of popping up in that flow and a higher chance at that versus just a photo ad. Okay. So you, you said you focus on photo and then with the photo, I'm assuming you're writing some type of copy. How do you go about creating that copy? Are you pulling some of the text from the email sequence or the landing page that you wrote or what does it look like? I, I pull the text from the sequence and the landing page, depending on what it is. But since my intention is stated in the beginning and yeah. I know what I'm running my ad for, yeah. then I base my copy right off of that. Okay. Can you, will, will you just read the copy of one of your ads um, if you happen to have it handy? I'd just be curious to give our listeners a little bit of an example of what that copy might sound like. So I found a copy for an ad. It's actually for like a free engagement session. Oh, okay. So is this something that this is something that you would use as a, a lead generator? Yes, that's exactly. Okay. Or you could do like a wedding planning guide, something along the lines of that. I've done that as well. Sure. But this one says, are you engaged? Are you looking for a fun and adventurous style wedding photographer? 
wanted newly engaged couples that are fun and adventurous. I'm looking for five couples for a free engagement session in your area. Click the link below to apply. I love that. I mean, it's simple. Um, it draws me in. Like I, I would want a free engagement session. Like why not? Right. What's to lose? And then, right. so you end up beginning a relationship with this person, you give them a free engagement session. And then what's your plan at that point in order to convert them to a client? Um, so as far as the engagement session, sometimes I kind of use it depending on if I'm traveling just to fill up my calendar to get a few more sessions out of state. Okay. All right. Or if I'm trying to book their wedding, then I, I create an email sequence that kind of helps me do that. Okay. So that well. there's follow up afterwards and then you're trying yes. to uh, naturally, if, if they have the opportunity to meet you and have a really positive experience, they're going to probably be more apt to at least consider you as a wedding photographer anyway. And that's the whole yeah. idea of lead generation, right? You're, you're giving yeah. them something of value to draw them in and hopefully then convert them um, at a higher price point or mm-hmm. at a price point at all. An actual paying client, you can convert them at that, at that stage. And so this is, for everybody listening in, this is a, a really great place to get started. Um, I know that there is, this is such a loaded topic, Facebook ads, and there are a variety of perspectives on them and, or on the topic rather. Um, but just as a very simple way to get started, I think this is a really nice workflow. You start with intention. And again, you've got to be clear about what your brand represents and who you're talking to. Then create that email sequence, uh, which you can do, as you pointed out, Kendra, now that, that they're clear on their intention. Same thing with a landing page. Use copy that is, that is reflecting or reflective of that intention um, that works together. If you have an email sequence that's going to send somebody to a landing page, then you want to make sure that you're building in the idea in the email on the landing page or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And and so intention, email sequence, the landing page, build your audience there in the Facebook ad platform, and then build the ad. These are kind of the steps. And uh, I, I would love to encourage anybody listening who's never started with the Facebook or, or never pushed out a Facebook ad before for the sake of booking clients, give this a try experiment. And it's not like you have to spend an incredible amount of money in order to get it started in order to experiment. But it's really important that you do start with a clear intention. Anything you want to add here at the end, Kendra, before um, we finish up this episode? Um, I actually have a freebie. If anybody wants to get it, it's like a Facebook ad cheat sheet. Oh, awesome. Okay. So should yes. we, should we um, do you have a link that we can put in the show notes for everybody? I sure do. Okay, go ahead and read that. And then, of course, again, for everybody listening in, you can go to bookapodcast.com or just go to the show notes on your podcast app and, and get this. But what is that link? It's kendralanese.com slash ads, K-E-N-D-R-A-L-Y-N-E-C-E dot com forward slash ads. Ads. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. And that, I love the simplicity of that, but we'll link to that in the show notes for everybody as well. Thanks so much for making time to hang out today and to share some of what you learn about uh, Facebook ads with our listeners. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.
www.thepowerofpowerpodcast.com. <laughs>